Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull. The phone lines are open, 8150-939-3831-939. It's Selection Monday. Did want to remind you guys that we do have, like we always have, our ESPN Bracket Challenge uh, that is out there. So go uh, out to uh, ESPNLouisville.com uh, and you can figure it all out uh, there. Get involved. you got a chances to win everything. Are you good at uh, bracket picking, Dave, like overall? Um, I would love to tell you that I am, but that would just be a lie. I would have lied. I would have said I was. I'm really not. Like, I've had good years, but a couple of good years doesn't equal, like, quote-unquote, good at this. My best? What's your best year, Dave? I mean, I don't know how to quantify that. Everybody does points differently. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, for me... I'm not even joking when I say this. In 2013, I correctly picked Louisville over Michigan in the title game that year. That's probably that's the only year I've ever done that. The best year I've ever had uh, was was Florida winning the national title the second year. So is that 07 uh, when they beat uh, Ohio State in the national championship in the final that year? I had the whole final four right in that one. Uh, but typically, I suck at brackets. I'm terrible. But if you're good at them, they're set. And we want you to join the ESPN Louisville Bracket Challenge. So register, fill out your bracket now, go to ESPNLouisville.com. We've got things like uh, the basketball goal from Steepleton, uh, a TV from RGB Home Theaters. Uh, we've got Bourbon and Beyond passes, uh, we, Adam Sandler tickets, tailgate gear from Cox's and Evergreen Liquors. Uh, we've got, I mean, you name it. We have it all. A, a Loose City prize pack, if that's your thing. Gift cards, everything there. Just go. The Bracket Challenge is brought to you by our friends from Kentucky Fish and Wildlife. Uh, KellyKentucky.com, Seven County Services, and Cox's and Evergreen Liquor. So go out there, get in uh, that bracket challenge, uh, and be the one uh, who shows that you do actually know more uh, than all of us here. 8150939. That's uh, the number if you want to get in here. Dave, I wanted to, to ask you one thing uh, about kind of the, the general doubting of Kenny after one year, and the people are like, he's get rid of him. We, he, he can't be the guy, and, you know, we're both kind of encouraged by the by the way recruiting is going and that sort of thing, uh, that even after one year, hey, they're able to do that. And I, the reason I want to sort of have this conversation for just a minute is, 
imagine where the conversation was at North Carolina after the end of last season. You might have had your doubts about hiring an alum who's a first-time head coach, who'd only been an assistant, who'd never been a head coach. They didn't get off to a very good start, but they ended last year, and they, they basically were one rolled ankle from, from probably winning a national championship uh, last year. But this year, they hit the skids, and it was ugly. Like You could tell no one had any fun. No one wanted to be there. No one was enjoying it. And they didn't even make the NCAA tournament this year. And now I think there's at least a little bit of hand-wringing about about Hubert Davis and maybe so what the future is there. They are still recruiting just fine, and I don't, I can't envision a world in which uh, North Carolina isn't, right? But it, do, I think it does go to show you at least, like, the, it's the opposite version of this. You know, you have one year, and you, and you kind of make your final impression about somebody after one year. Well, the next year comes along. It's dramatically different. Do are we willing to do that here? Can we do that? Yeah, I mean, you mean the other way? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, this is like um, it's a weird conversation to me because like I, we got a couple of texts along the same lines, and it's like, look, I, I, I don't, I, I feel like I'm being misinterpreted. You know, like I feel like I've been pretty consistent this year, like. And don't get today wrong. Like I'm, I'm so excited about Kenny getting the recruits, and I want him to get the recruits, and I'm really happy that he's proving any doubters wrong that he could recruit. And I had my doubts, for sure. I think that anybody, it would be logical to have doubts when it just felt like we kept striking out even after the cloud was lifted. And it, this is a really good day, but it's it's also a really good case study as to like. Maybe the you we overreact to things in the moment, and maybe UNC fans overreacted to the run last year. Maybe, but it felt like they were building all year to that. You know, like it, it they were better in February, and then they were playing really well in March. You know, and it culminated in a Final Four run. But I things can change so quickly. Like I am all for always being like a. I'm never going to walk anything back because I never said, uh, like, I'll always say I'm wrong and I will own my, my mistakes. I think that we all should be willing to say that. But like right now I've already said like, like this is great evidence that he's, that he can recruit, but we still got to find out if he can coach. And I've always been willing to be shown that he can coach. Like from day one, I've been, open like I, I was looking for him to be good this year and I'm still looking for him to grow in the role and like I think that everybody should be there and should always be open to be proven wrong when especially when it's beneficial for you like it, we're all Louisville fans man like I want this program ideal at the end of the day like I don't care if I'm right or wrong I want to be cheering for a winning program I want my my program to be healthy so I think anybody who's that's why like I've been really careful even though it is clear that I, I have doubted the evidence. Like, I, I, there is no evidence. Like, this year, it was a really bad year for us at 4-28. and 28. Like, I've always tried to be clear that I am looking for evidence. Like, I want to be shown that he's the guy for the job, and I want him to be that guy. 
So this is a great day. You know, it's an awesome day. He's showing that he can recruit, and I hope that he shows that he can do something with the right players next year. But it's also just, really early for people to take victory laps, and I think that like we should all just be happy about the good things that are happening without being like, I told you he was the guy. It's like, man, that's dangerous. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm more, but I, I'm more like sh- just uh, uh, elsewhere in that conversation. Yeah. It would have been, it's the same error to fire Kenny after one year, to me, as it would be to give Hubert Davis a lifetime contract after last year. Yeah. That's the, to me, it's the same error. And in, in particular, what I mean by that is one year of just basketball issues is not enough information on anyone like there isn't a single coach in the world and that's why i've hated these conversations was like well if this coach was that you'd want no like i wouldn't i wouldn't advocate for anyone being uh being canned after one year and you at least have to admit if things are going to get dramatically better which we all want uh, dare i say need uh, after yesterday i don't want to not be a part of this anymore uh after uh, after this season this is the only way it's going to get better by the things that are happening right now. This is the only way out of this uh, mess is to get good basketball players to come here. And if Absolutely. you're with them, we'll know. We'll know. It'll be fine. But there's no reason to sort of try to – today to me just doesn't seem like the day to be trying to hit the brakes or temper this. Let's just enjoy it. That's not what I'm doing either like I know the, at all. <laughs> like the first thing I said on the show, that's why it's weird that it's gotten – like that any of the responses were where they were. And most of the people are like trying to, and it's fine. It's all good. But like, it was weird. There were multiple texts where the first thing I said in this conversation was like, look, we know we went four and 28 and I don't feel like we need to mention it every time something good happens. Yeah. Like let's, I, I think we need to let go of that because we all know what happened this year. And quite frankly, like you should be rooting, whether you are pro Kenny or anti Kenny or in the middle, wherever you are, you should be, really hoping for clarity next year more than anything because mediocrity or in the middle is going to be the worst thing for this program like i think you should want kenny to succeed regardless of where you are in recruiting and get everything he needs for next year because you're either going to be if you're in the middle you want him to succeed. Like if he if he succeeds, you're going to be fine. If you're pro Kenny, obviously you want him to succeed. If you are anti Kenny, like I can't imagine being anti Kenny once he if he wins a bunch next year. But whatever. Uh, if he doesn't win with elite talent, you've got your answer too. That's what we want for next year's clarity. That's what we want, and I hope that my position during this year that I just. As much as I want him to win, I didn't see the evidence that he was the guy. I hope that he smashes that in the first two weeks of next year. And right now, I don't even want to revisit that. Like we are, we were four and twenty-eight. I want to put it in the rear view because we are in this. This is how you do it. Next year mode, yeah. And he yeah. did the first thing he needed to do today and or yesterday, and I am so thrilled about that. And everybody else should be too. If you find yourself. Not being happy that he got a seven foot one five star center, that then maybe you need to question your like where your loyalties actually lie and what now. your motivations are well, at that point. I think it's it's a, it's a it's a miserable way, and we'll get to Roger and Jeff here in just a second. But it's kind of a miserable way to go through life 
where like the thing you enjoy most out of whatever you're into is the misery of someone else. It, you know, it's like election night. Did your guy win? Yeah, but I'm going to watch the other network to see those people be sad because that's the thing I like the most. Is it, That just seems like a miserable way to kind of go through life is, is sort of being like, well, Louisville got a great recruit. I can't wait to see what someone who doubts him says. Like, well, <laughs> come on. I want to see that guy miserable and try to explain this. Like, no, that's, that's just that's a all good. way to go through things. Look. And there's plenty of people that you'll be able to dunk on if he, you know, wins 25 games. But I promise you, man, like I am, I am rooting for him to work. But I, I will absolutely, I will love being wrong. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I want. Like, I don't even want to talk about next season. Like, I want to give him every opportunity to succeed next year. That's what I want right now. And he, we've got the first piece. Let's do it. Let's, let's, it's fine. We're fine. Let's go. Let's get Roger uh, in here. Roger, thanks for waiting, buddy. Welcome into the drive on I Time the Vote on Monday. What's up? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, first bet. of all, condolences to the Spencer family. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember when, when Felton was playing here, was, was playing here, and uh, my daughter was real young, and we were walking her to the mall, and we, we came up on, on Felton, of all people. And uh, he was so kind. He he said hi to my daughter and shook her hand, and her little hand in his. My gosh, my my wife and I were just amazed. It just engulfs her hand, you know. <laughs> but he was so nice. He took the time and 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 was really sweet to her. But uh, you know, to those Louisville fans that they say they're Louisville fans, but they're they're denigrating the whole program. Well, I I've I've been a Louisville fan since. I mean, I, I, I was in high school when Griff was in school. I was at a different school, but, I, you know, we, I saw him play when he played our, our school. And, and I've been a little fan ever since then. But when I was young, I saw a sign that said, uh, America, right or wrong. Or it said, America, my country, right or wrong, still my country. Well, that's the way it is with, with, with me being a Louisville fan. L is my team. Win or lose, they're still my team. Just because we've had some some bad times with uh, oh god the the guy before Kenny I done forgot his name That's and Mike. and oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah with Chris Mike yeah and and in one year under Kenny Uvell is still my team I'm not gonna drop them just because of, of a few years I mean we're they're still my team but. Hey, I've got a, a a quick thing about that the NCAA tournament. If if you if you will allow me, go for it. Yeah. Several several years ago, I I out of necessity I had to work out of town in a, in a line crew out of town. Well, the a lot of the people not 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 the guys I worked with, but a lot of the the people in that district, they didn't care for me because first of all, I was a U of L fan. And then I was from Louisville, and and as they put it, I was kind of fleshy. So so that you know they they just they held all those against me. Well, that you know I I I got them back real well that that year because I entered the NCAA brackets with everybody from the district put in on this. So not only did U of L win, but I took their money. I, I won the whole thing. I picked UofL to win. I even picked Indiana to lose to uh, Cleveland State that year. And and that really blew them away. So, 
you know, that the NCAA brackets are fun, especially when the other people don't like you and you take their money. <laughs> I appreciate that, Roger. Thank you so much for the call, buddy. I appreciate it. Uh, Dave, have you looked at your bracket much at all? I've actually been looking at it since I sat down in here. Like, I looked at it last night, obviously, but I haven't. Usually I do, like, a first glance fill-in. You know what I mean? Like, uh, But this is uh, – I didn't do that this time. I'm just sort of being analytical and – and, and and taking my time with it and I'm taking a lot of time I'll put it that way there's a lot of a lot more matchups that I just don't look at and just have a immediate instinct about this year you know I'm it does si- seem I'm- flattened there's like a lot of uh, like I could see there are many years close to this one where I feel like I, I look at a lot of these matchups and either team winning I like I can make at least a rational case for it a lot yeah, most of them, you know, and even the like, I side eye the things like uh, Iona. Everybody wants to pick Iona to go to at least beat UConn or go to the Sweet Sixteen, and I'm looking at like, I want to do that. I feel like Rick's got a run in them, but I think everybody's going to do that, <laughs> and Rick's that can go one, one of last, either way. Oh, you're saying it's not so much about the basketball? It's the, no, it is about the, the strategy, basketball. though. It is like, about the basketball, yeah. but like. It feels like one of those matchups that everybody feels like they have the right idea about it, and I'm not so sure that the public knows. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's just too trendy to the point of like. Eh, well, did you UConn's guys watch, pretty damn good this year. Did you guys watch bracketology at all on ESPN yesterday? I watched a little bit of it, waiting for the women's selection show. Yeah, every I watched a fair amount of it. Mark, did you watch any of it? I did. Every single one had Duke Marquette in the elite. I league. saw that. Yeah, and I'm like. So one of them's gonna lose before that, just because that's just what happens. It's like everyone's picking. That they're five up. for five on Duke, right? Yeah, I think everyone said like I can't remember. Who, if, I think most of them had Duke winning that. I know Phyllis Dix is a Duke guy, obviously. But he's realistic too. He is realistic. Like a lot of people tag him as a Duke homer. I'm like, I feel like he's. It's unfair for Bill. He's Billis. not as homeristic on. He's Duke. really not. Um, I mean, he loves his alma mater. Don't get me wrong, but I think everyone does. But he's not homer. But yeah, everyone's like Duke Marquette. I'm like. That just seems like someone's going to lose early because of that. Yeah, I watched the entire like analysis on the initial selection show and then watched most of the bracketology waiting on the women's bracket. Um, and I think they were like five for five, the analysts, with Duke in the final four. And it's like he's, they're, that's pretty wild with a five seed. <laughs> I mean, Shire's got heating up right now, though. He is. But I don't even know. The world is littered with teams. Like history is littered with teams that went on a wild, like seems like they're peaking at the right time, conference tournament run that washed out in the first weekend. Let's uh, let's get Jeff in here before we continue with some bracket discussion because I got a couple thoughts uh, myself here. Jeff, thanks for waiting, buddy. Welcome into the drive. And I think. Hey, good afternoon. Um, I wanted to share my thoughts, uh, uh, like Roger. Um, uh, and give my condolences to the Felton uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, Spencer family. Um, yeah. Years ago, my son, who was a little fella, and I were walking in the park, and Felton was up there. And he doesn't know me from Adam, and my boy was three or four at the time, and, of course, Felton is a massive fella. And uh, anyway, we walked up on him, and uh, uh, Felton could not have been nicer. He shook my child's hand just was gracious and kind and spent some time with us and and uh, i just think he was a great ambassador for the the program i've forgotten yep. that uh apparently he was the sixth pick overall 
in the in the draft that year, uh, NBA draft, if I read it correctly. But good guy, good ambassador. Never heard one whiff of anything, you know, uh, out of line with him, and and just was a gentleman. And we're going to miss him. I appreciate uh, the call there. I, and if yeah, you've got call. Felton Spencer stories, I'll hear them all. All of them. And I do love the reminders that we get. We watch them on TV. These athletes, these is, but when you see them in person, it is kind of a reminder. Dave, you're a big guy. I'm a bigger than average guy. But you get around these guys, you're like, holy crap! Yeah. How did your mom feed you? So Some it was, of these guys, like like for me, I will never forget. Makai Becton yes. blocking the sun. I was standing outside on the practice field, and he comes out. He's the first player I've ever talked to that blocked the sun. He was that big. It's it's hilarious how amazingly large these guys are and, and, and athletic at that size. But that when you when you meet them, you're like, oh, it's intimidating. And then for them to be such like gentle giants, it's always very refreshing. So coming from high school, like I was – the second biggest guy on the team, you know, like 6'2", 300, about 300 pounds, 290 in high school. And we had one guy that was like 6'3", and probably 340. He's a big dude. But when I get to college, I was one of the smallest guys in the offensive line room. You know, and Jason Weathers was 6'7", 350 pounds, and Jason Hilliard was like 6'6", 360. Right. And just made me look tiny compared to tackle types yeah right and and i'm going up against them in blocking drills and whatnot and then it's another level when you start meeting like the big basketball players like not just tall but broad or angela and i went to uh the fraser historical museum this weekend because it was free and you know they've got artist gilmore shoes in there and stuff like that you like how those look like swimming flippers <laughs> as big as they are some of those shoes it's wild uh, for those guys at that size uh, and the amount of work they put in to become as athletic and skilled as they are so uh, you truly are appreciative of it and felton absolutely another great example i have come as i've gotten older i have come to really appreciate the guys uh, or and ladies who emphasize work the amount of work they put in you know, I always feel like you're kind of shortchanging people when you sort of talk about athletic gifts and gifting yeah. and sort of born or natural or what have you. One of the things I've always loved about Kobe, one of the things I always really uh, admired about Michael Jordan is both of them were like, they could have said any of those things. And it was, no, I worked myself to the bone for all of this. That's how I got here. And don't let anyone tell you that I did anything other than that. Yeah. And the whole reason that I'm kind of a jerky teammate is because I don't feel like any of you work as hard as I do. <laughs> right, I that's that. that's the thing. I appreciate that. Like, talent can be squandered, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Ability can be wasted. Um, and when guys like Kobe and Michael were, that's a great way of putting it because they knew they were the most talented guys on the court, and they also worked harder than everybody else. So it's like they could look at their teammates and say, "How dare you show up?" Yeah. And work any less hard than I am when I'm better than you when I roll out of bed in the morning. Like, you should be trying to be better than me, and you sure as hell can't work less hard than I am. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Felton worked his ass off to become what he became. Uh, and I've never met somebody who didn't say something like the last caller. You know what I mean? Where it was just like, he's just the nicest guy. I remember he used to come into Outback pretty regularly when I was 
rolling around with a pocket potato. You know, it, it <laughs> <laughs> felt. And he was always so nice. Like, he'd hold court at the bar, you know what I mean? And his buddies would would be there with him, and he would say hi to everybody who'd come up and always had time for you. And I just love people like that. Griff's very much the same way, you know, where he's maybe the best ambassador Louisville's ever had because he's never – he's always – willing to shake your hand and smile at you and, and, and talk to you for a minute and, and, and Felton had that same DNA. Have you, in, in digging into the bracket very quickly, do you have any uh, like rules, like personal ones, just for you, you know, that, that you always stick to? Like for me, you know, I, I will never pick a Big Ten team to win the championship. I think that's a really good rule. <laughs> like it, it's that way until, right. until it falls apart. And whenever I get to like the Sweet 16 – and I realize I've put far too much faith in the Big Ten. I usually go back to the drawing board. Like, that's that's really where I'm at. And it's the Big Ten more than anything else, where I get to there and I'm like, you know, I, I, I go through this bracket very organically. I don't work backwards like some people do, you know. And, and I I somehow have, like, nine Sweet 16 teams from the Big Ten. <laughs> so I have to go back and, and be like, we got to cut that down to at least five. Like, I'm not letting the Big Ten I take my bracket. I was not this far. Right. I'm like, well, what was I thinking? Speaking of, do you think, do you think that officials, referees, are all, like, gathered together just waiting to see which schmuck gets stuck with the Bruce Pearl, Fran McCaffrey, 8-9 matchup, having to referee that game? Could you imagine? Like, I, if I wore a hearing aid, I'd just turn it off. Uh, I don't. If I was, that's if I was a referee awful. for that game, the God, what a nightmare that would be. That's so bad. That's so bad. Bruce Pearl, Fran McCaffrey. I mean, I would take Bruce Pearl ten times out of ten, having to talk to him over Fran McCaffrey. Like Fran McCaffrey's the worst. I mean, I'm not trying to talk to either one of them. No, I know, but, but you know what I'm saying. But if like, I had, if I had to, pick, to choose, sure. Fran's just gonna stare you to death, though. <laughs> Was it no, was he? He does a lot. He does more a lot than more than that. staring. He's That's just the one once. time. Yeah, yeah the other he's time far he more stands in the hallway and accuses you of being bought. Yeah, which he's done. You know, he's been fined and suspended for that too. So and then he gets to Francon. Uh, I'll give you real quickly. Francon. A couple two. of other, other couple like rules uh, for me. I. Do not believe in Rick Barnes in Tennessee. In well, fact, that's I think yeah. I think Tennessee this year. I feel like every single time I ever turned on the TV, Tennessee lost. Like it, when I tuned into them, <laughs> they were losing. I just I don't believe uh, in him at all. And conversely, I'm. I mean, it's not like I'm going out on a limb here, but I think Bill Self's a great tournament coach. I think he's proven to be a great tournament coach, uh, and we will see. You know, the extent to which he is limited by his own sort of health issues, you know, going into the tournament, yeah. it seems like he's going to be back. Uh, but I'm not a, a Rick Barnes believer like at all. I'm also, and I, I don't care how controversial this is, I don't, I don't believe in Tom Izzo. No. And I know he won a championship 23 years ago. But since then, it's kind of been a, the same. Is one of those weird championships that is sort of, that it becomes the exception. Like I don't think he's ever going to win in a championship. Well, here's the thing: I don't, and I think late stage Tom Izzo is even like a worse bet than because in his in his heyday it was famously every four year class yeah had made the final four forever, and then I'd say what's the last one to graduate that made the final four? Was it like 2016? 
It was the year they beat us. I think was their last Final Four appearance. Was it that long ago? I, I unless they something's happened. I think that was the last time they made it. Was the two thousand nine? No, like two thousand fifteen. Yeah, the, the, uh, yeah, the two thousand fifteen. The elite, the elite eight game the, yeah. that we lost to them. That's why I was saying two thousand sixteen. I don't know why in my head. Yeah, I, so if those guys were freshmen. So, so anybody who was freshman, maybe two thousand eighteen. Eighteen nineteen. Yeah, because like fifteen. Okay, 16, yeah. 17, 18. Gotcha. Um, that's right, obviously. So, so 2018 would have been the last graduating class, whatever that means anymore, uh, that would have made the Final Four if they stayed all four years. So that's, that's eight years since his last Final Four, and he hasn't been particularly good in the regular season either. I just, uh, I'm not a big believer in Tom Izzo either. I th- everything that you've said so far – didn't uh, they just go to the Final Four a couple of years ago? The Zion they made it in 19. I just looked it up. 19? I, I, I okay. Was off. I, yeah. so I'd forgotten the 19 year. So there I guess you go. It, it reset the next year. It reset the next year. But I'm with Man. you. I think the Izzo love fest, I think, it's just like, it's mostly the Rosty in January. Well, they were Izzo. It gets it really just annoying. It feels like one of those things people are in the habit of talking themselves into. And I don't, I don't believe it. That wouldn't be shocked if they lost in the first round to USC. Like, none of that would shock me at all. No. In fact, that's one of the ones I've already written in, and I've only written in nine <laughs> first-round matchups. That's one of them. Now, have you guys had any rules like, you know, Tony Bennett never pick him to win the title, and then he wins the title a few years ago, so where you take that rule away? Have you ever had a rule like that where it's been disproven, so you scratch that rule out? Well, that's that's a good. Tony Bennett uh, was a good one. I mean, Jay Tony Wright Bennett is kind of the one, yeah. Yeah, because well, they 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 can't until they do, you know. Well, and that, both of those, by the way, are great uh, things to be mindful of. Sometimes I see people say things like this, where they're like, "If you, I, I, if they don't think Kenny Payne can win a national championship right now, they should fire him right now." And like, do how many people didn't like? How many people right now don't think Mark Few will ever win a national championship at Gonzaga? I'll, right. I bet you a lot of them. Strebel's on 680 right now. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he right? will, but I'm not sure he will either. But for, for there Two are people who are saying that. Well, people people are saying that they're like, so fire him if you don't think he won a national championship. How the hell do we know? Right. Like, when did that become the? the but if if you said, well, if I don't think Mark Few is gonna ever gonna win a national championship at Gonzaga, that's actually just like every year I'll take the field versus Gonzaga. That's not a crazy bet. <laughs> that's not. That's not. But that's not like justification for firing him. No, and not. so I've always thought that's kind of a silly standard uh, for people to 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 hold up as a no. There were a lot of people who never thought Jay Wright would win a national championship until he did. There yeah. were people. You guys will never believe this, but you kids will never believe. There was a time people wrote articles, put their names on them, where their moms and dads could see that my child wrote this article. <laughs> Stating that Coach K will never win a big game in the Final Four—that's blasphemy, there, Mark. But it happened. No, I know it did. I just want to say because that. from the early '80s until 1991, all they did was make the Final Four and then get hammered yeah. repeatedly, including Louisville in '86 was one of them. And there were people who were like, "This is all they do is get there, but that's all they can do. He'll never win one," like some of you do about Jeff Wall sometimes. Like it, it's crazy to as for, to hold that up as kind of a, as a standard. There are lots of guys people doubt can win a championship. That doesn't mean you fire them. And luck has a lot to do with it. <laughs> I mean, Big it does. Part of it. You have under, people don't understand how hard it is to win a sixty-eight team single elimination tournament in basketball. Like you have to win six straight games as a one seed. 
that's a lot of games. <laughs> that's a lot of games against a lot of good teams. I mean, how often do you lose during the regular season? You know, to teams you shouldn't lose to. Like it's just it's 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 a tough road to hoe. And 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 when saying things like that without context uh, is is a is a dangerous thing to do as a as an analyst or a fan. Really, not necessarily a smart thing to do. Um, and also, like this is why I don't like speaking in ultimates, you know, and 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 uh, like I just don't in absolutes. Like I don't like never. If you say they're never gonna do this, right? And then they do it. You've been. It was just like like Locke famously saying, "Tiger will never ever right. win that's another the major." Best, that's the best analogy right there. Yeah, it's the best one. When he said he will never ever win another major, lo and behold, he wins the Masters in 2018. And Locke's pivot on Monday was, "I was right for 10 years." <laughs> That's not how never works, right. okay? If you say never, then you were wrong from the first time you said it, right? Because it happened. Yep. That makes never wrong (laughs) like that's 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 how absolutes work just like that's why like i'll I'll kick back a little when people are say like well you said kenny wasn't the guy i said i didn't say i said i didn't think he was you know i didn't don't speak in absolutes very often so i don't think he was but i really hope i'm wrong and i'm i can't wait for the evidence and that's why like i don't know i I don't like when people say things like that and i'm like dude that's not what i said Uh, let's get it right but uh yeah that's a I, I'm I'm out on Tom Izzo's career at this point. Uh, I just think he's he's pretty much done. Somebody texted him; he's the new ba- Jim Beheim. I don't know if it's that bad yet because I think Beheim was bad for a long time. He got lucky with his last couple of Final Four runs. He was an 18 win, 19 win regular season team uh, that got just caught fire in the postseason. Um, I don't think Izzo's quite that bad, uh, but the game I, I certainly think has passed him by, and he is. He gets the pass from the media. The titles change everything, though, to a degree. You're right, but you got the one. They both had the one, you know, within three years of each other. Um, let's uh, let's take a break here. And since you mentioned Jim Beheim, I got something for that guy uh, on the other side because he did something, uh, and this is going to be my personal uh, hobby horse here, but I'm pissed off about it, and I'm yeah. going to talk about it on the other side here. On the drive on I find the ball. Be right back. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it. But then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start, before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. And Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. 
Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9. The Bill Marginis, Dave Skull. Dave, uh, we mentioned Jim Beheim and kind of the, the tail end of his career. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say. Obviously, uh, there were other decades of his career that went better than this last one. He <laughs> certainly have plenty uh, to choose from uh, in his career. But at Syracuse, look, things fizzled to the end that we ultimately ended up getting. Uh, and in a weird way, he ended up uh, being retired in a way that was uh, while kind of anticlimactic and perfect at the same time uh, for him. The last couple of years, 17 and 15, 16 and 17, 18 and 10, 18 and 14, 20 and 14, 23 and 14, like just a bunch of stuff that I think would, would, would drive the average person crazy. Uh, and you had a Final Four uh, squeezed in in that 15-16 year when they went 19 and 9 and then went uh, and made it to, to the Final Four uh, that year. But it, it hasn't been great. And obviously Syracuse football, I think, has had its struggles lately. And I can't imagine – that it's super fun to do a lot of sports radio there when things are not as good as they've been. And we know, we know how this works. Well, Brent Axe, I've known Brent Axe. We've had Brent Axe as a guest on this show a number of times. Mm -hmm. To me, he's kind of an institution in Syracuse. And when I was a moonlighting blogger with big East coast bias working full time for, for Humana, you know, he used to have me on as a guest, just kind of talk big East football and basketball. I used to always, be really appreciative of the fact that he kind of took me seriously, even though I was outside of kind of the normal channels, you know, of how people come up. Well, my man just got fired over the weekend. Show's done from ESPN Syracuse. He got fired over the weekend. And the ownership group there, Galaxy Media is the name of the, the company that owns them, just came out and basically were like, he's too negative. Here's the quote from the owner, Ed Levine, the CEO of Galaxy Media. I had, quote, I had a problem with the content of the show, Levine said. I'm an SU fan. I'm sorry, but I bleed orange. I'm not going to apologize for that. And I think a fair reading of the orange is appropriate. I understand that Galaxy has a business relationship with Syracuse and that Coach Beheim and I are personal friends, and he's an investor in my company. <laughs> I, I understand and acknowledge all of that. We've called it pretty fair, and I would argue we've been tough on SU when the on-field or off-field events warrant it. I just think over the past six months it took a different tone and became overly dark and negative. I don't think that's what Syracuse fans want to hear. And so they just abruptly canned the guy uh, who had been doing a show for, for forever there and writes for Syracuse.com. And it's, to me, it's like, you know, I think of Virginia schools, I think of David Teal. Yeah, I think of I think of Syracuse. I think of Brent Axe and I think of Mike Waters like those are the two. I, that's who I think of. Uh, and so I'm incredibly surprised uh, by this. And I really hate it. I hate the precedent that it sets. And I hate how very obviously kind of uh, conflicted that this sounds like it's basically like, yeah, Jim Beheim bought into our group and now we're firing Brent Axe. I hate it. I hate it's... every part of this. It's crap. And you know what bothers me about it, though? There are a lot of people who would love if that happened here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're next, Mark. <laughs> Depends on who you ask. Yeah, that's... But you know what? I've learned... Uh, Dave, I've learned in this... You know, I hate this for Brent. And I sent him a message that, I, you know, I, in a weird way, when this stuff happens to folks, I kind of feel a survivor's guilt. Like, I can't... You know, I, we're around and you're not. I think he's, he did a great job for forever. I hate the idea of, like, you have to go because you're too negative you know i know brent he's not he's not even like mark blankenbaker like in terms of fiery kind of you know going after somebody 
But when things are bad, don't you kind of want the local guy to be like, "This is bad. This isn't what we're used to." Like, yeah, I that's hate what the I idea want. of like there being that. Like, we we I know. Does do people really want like state-run media? You know the, where it's like like it has to be. It's either only positive or nothing. Right. That makes for terrible radio, and people can tell when you're lying to them. But it sounds like that's what this guy wants. That's 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 always been my issue. Okay, and like I. I've always prided myself on, on I'm going to tell you how I feel about things and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but I think I'm a pretty fair person and I'm also a pretty positive person most of the time. That's why it always cracks me up when people, you know, like go after it's like, whatever, I'm, I'm comfortable in my skin. You know, it's, it's fine. I will never lie to you all. And I think that that's how it sounds like they want them to do. Like I would never want somebody to be dishonest to me. You know, like there's a difference between piling on and 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 telling you how it is. And I don't know enough about like I'm familiar with Brent through his uh, show appearances here, but not. I don't obviously I don't listen to his content every day, so I don't know how it's been. But this sounds more like Jim Beheim and a group of investors bought 21% of our company, um, and they didn't like that he was saying bad things about an institution at Syracuse. So he got, he got got, you know, and that's, that's what it sounds like to me because they didn't talk about ratings. You know, they didn't talk about advertising, advertising dollars. They didn't talk right. about all of these things that are concrete and tangible reasons to fire a radio host. They talked about how they thought the fan base felt, which is not a, really a tangible thing <laughs> like that's a thing you can just make up which is well right because that's kind of what ratings, ratings and advertising and dollars, dollars. Are. yeah like you yeah, can measure right. it there are measurable uh you know metrics here that you could use but they didn't and that's why like it feels it sounds much more like an emotional decision than it does a business decision well and, and i i hate any time someone even advocates for someone getting fired because they're like they're too negative, and I see, you know, we we've we went through this this year. We like, you, you know, you should these people should be fired. You should, I should be fired, or Blank should be fired, or Diener should be fired, or or I don't know, Nick Coffee should be fired, or some you know elsewhere and other places. And or or if Tom I George can't wait for job, people to isolate that one sentence and send if, it to Nick Coffee. <laughs> well, whatever. I'm, like, I'm if, just if, kidding, man. Like if Tom George gets, I hope Tom George gets the job back, and you're the first person that's fired. Right. Right? I had it's more like, than really enough people say want? that to me. Like you really want that, and you think that's what he should be doing? Uh, like yeah, it's, I hate it's, it. a, it's a weird fetish. People they love to. to I want you fired because I just don't want to hear things I don't like anymore. Well, I mean that's that's a miserable way to approach this, but also it's not negativity. Also, by the way, like it's well, yes, I agree with that, but like negativity on the radio. There, there's a like it can go too far. It can. I agree. I'm not saying that there's no scenario in which someone's like, you know what, the problem is you, and you've got to go. I get that, but no one listens to that, and no one will listen to that. Just like, no one will listen to unrelenting positivity. They won't because it's not always what's happening. And people can tell, yeah. and uh, like unrelenting, like sort of positivity and excuse making, people won't listen to that either. Yeah, and and, and the people like the, the kind of this never-ending search to just find people who will just simply never acknowledge that anything bad has happened. It makes for terrible radio. It makes yeah, for like terrible ba- websites. It makes for terrible TV. It makes for terrible all of it. Nobody wants a Baghdad Bob, 
you know, on the radio. I don't think they do. I mean, some people obviously do, uh, judging, you know, by some of the things I hear. But most people want you to be honest. We can disagree, you know, and that's I'm I welcome it, and I've been wrong a ton. Um, but I've can tell you 100% that I've never lied to you on these airwaves and I never will. And that's what some people want. And that's obviously what this sounds like it boiled down to. I'm friends with Jim Beheim. He bought into the company and we're going to make an emotional decision. But what kills me about it? He's gone. I know. It really feels like Beheim. Like he did this as just kind of a middle finger from Beheim uh, out the, the door on the way yeah. out, and if so, it's even worse. And if Beheim had anything to do with this or like approved of it or anything, he's a bigger schmuck than I realized. Well, I mean, he didn't exactly like come off very good last week by yeah. slinking off into the dark, after, you know, and not really pumping up Adrian Autry. You know what I mean? And they could have had a really nice celebratory like handing off of the baton uh to a former player of his um but that's not what they got they got jim Beheim just kind of i'm not coaching anymore <laughs> i wonder how much jim was blindsided by everything that just transpired last week i mean you, or you think he was I don't. I think he probably knew going in, but because his comments the day of was like very reflective of his time at Syracuse. But I feel like he did, it didn't seem to want to go on his own terms here, not this year at least. Well, it, it it fit with the rest of his persona, where it was like, I want to do this my way, and if I don't get to do it my way, I'm not supporting. You know what I mean? Like, you'll enjoy this, by the way, guys. Beheim complained, according to the article. Beheim took aim at Axe in a comment to ESPN's Pete Thamel in February, saying the only consistent critic he heard in his, this season was a local talk show host. His words, Beheim complained about sports talk radio callers after the team's final game of the season, saying he doesn't believe they represent the Syracuse fan base. And then you'll enjoy this. The day before Levine told Axe that he'd been fired, the Galaxy Media president posted on Facebook that Bayheim will be appearing on multiple Galaxy Media radio stations over the next year. Hey! What I'll say is I think the timing's very interesting, Brent Axe said. I'll leave it at that. He is right. Uh, and uh, whatever goodwill Bayheim had in my brain, which is very little, he has even less of it now. Kojak Card's been waiting. Let's uh, squeeze him in here before we hit uh, the top of the hour. Kojak Card, welcome into the Drive on the Thanks for waiting, buddy. What's up? Hey, thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. Good show as always. Thank you. Uh, Thank enjoy you. your take on Jim Beheim because I think about as much of him as I do Bob Huggins, like I said last week. Yeah. But with that being said, on the Felton side of it, man, yes. when I saw that, when I clicked on Twitter this morning, hated to see it. I mean, I've been a fan for over 50 years, and I grad am alumni from Boyd East High School. And back then, they used to have the junior Kentucky All Stars playing the junior Indiana All Stars. They played at our high school because one of our players was on the team along with Rex Chapman and several others. I was a freshman. Felton was two years ahead of me. And after the game was over, he goes out to the lobby at Bullet East to get a drink out of the water fountain. And some of us UofL fans, he hadn't decided on where he was going. And he takes the time to sit there and talk to us. It was cool. Shook hands. And like one of the callers said earlier about his, you know, his wife or his son, somebody that shook hands with him and how big his hands was. And just to be in the presence of somebody that size and know that he's a junior in high school and I'm a freshman, I stood in all of that, 
but I stood more in awe of his kindness and the way that he spoke to us and didn't try to brush us off as most juniors did as freshmen back then. And, and that was such a cool moment. And on the flip side of that coin, fast forward to 87, and me and my girlfriend, now wife, were at the Showcase Cinemas going in to see a movie, and we see none other than Purvis Elson getting out of his car with, I'm assuming, his girlfriend, which was a Toyota MR2. I have no idea how he got out of that thing. He comes walking <laughs> up. People are excited. <laughs> I mean, it looked like he got out of that car for 30 minutes. But he walks up, and, you know, everybody's, hey, you know, what's going on, Purvis? You make great on the championship year, bad year this year, but, hey, we'll get him next year. He brushed us off and walked past us like we were zeros. And I thought, wow. And I went right back to Felton because Felton didn't have the acclaim or the stature of what he did, but how he was as a person to me was much better than what Purvis was in that moment of what I got to meet him. And, and one moment does not wrap up somebody's entire life. I know that. But Felton, was uh, he treated me with the generosity and all the other fans that came around. Even Chapman, he was great. We were asking him where he was going to go. And, you know, of course, we knew he was going to Kentucky. We were trying our best to get him to go to Louisville. But it was just different times back then. And I thought about it then. Had social media been around back then in 1984, how would – I don't know how those guys – it's just such a different beast now. And here's that story, what you told about Syracuse. I read that earlier today. That's sad. That That's very sad. I enjoy listening to you all and the other shows. I may not always agree with some of the hot takes and stuff like that. But for a coach to go in and get a percentage and say, I don't like the way this dude's talking about me, I want him out, that's mind-blowing that we have reached that day and time. But I wouldn't expect any less from Jim Bayheim. Good show today, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for the call. By the way, I appreciate all of you who have texted in some other Felton Spencer story. Many of them, some variation on I accidentally, like physically – ran into him and he was the nicest person in the world <laughs> like basically the same the same thing over and over again and i love it we'll read a couple of them also if you're just uh, joining us and, we, and you're bothered in any way that we have not talked about the women uh, being five seed and making the ncaa tournament and where they are we're gonna have jeff walls on tomorrow at four we're gonna talk about that a lot so and i might even focus. talk you know of course you're having him on on the day i'm not here hmm? you guys are just determined not to have somebody who covers the team on with you sound Jeff. awfully negative <laughs> <laughs> we'll deal with that on the other Damn side it, here Mark. <laughs> on the drive when i turn the ball bear back